This time on episode 291 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 6, Episode 9, Collision Course Part 2. We talk weekly Marvel news and we talk your feedback. I'm Jay from Gallifrey Public Radio, a Doctor Who podcast and part of the Gunny Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredible geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the S.H.I.E.L.D. director. Now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. This show is recorded on Sunday, July 14th, 2019, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast galactic-wide via www.geeks.live. Please join our live chat as we record. Ladies, happy National Mac and Cheese Day. Woohoo! Every day should be National Mac and Cheese Day. It should. Did you know that Thomas Jefferson is responsible for mac and cheese being as popular as it is in the U.S.? No, no idea. What's the story behind that? Uh, he went to France, absolutely loved it, and kept serving it at state dinners here. And actually, if you look up Thomas Jefferson mac and cheese recipe, you can find the one that he particularly liked to make, which, if I remember correctly, also included a vegetable sauce. I think I've tried to make it before, and it was actually pretty good. I also wanted to mention that today is also International Non-Binary Day. So, happy day to any non-binary listeners that we may have. Happy day indeed. Getting back to the mac and cheese for a moment, I was just vacationing with my nephew, and that's one of the few things that he will eat. It's mac and cheese and steak, and not necessarily together. The two shall not touch on the plate, but they're together. Hmm. Well, good way to sneak in vegetables. Make the Thomas Jefferson recipe with the vegetable sauce. I think that's a great idea. And then happy National Non-Binary Day. Happy International Non-Binary Day to everyone out there. Well, continuing with the show now, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a fan-based podcast on the ABC television show Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the multiple Marvel small screen series, and the Marvel cinematic and comic book universes in general. Because of embarrassing your sleeping co-workers. <laughs> if you'd like to talk to us about the various ways you've embarrassed your sleeping co-workers, you can find us at our website, legendsofshield.com. You can leave us a voicemail, 844-THE-BUS-ONE. That's 844-843-2871. You can find us on Facebook at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. Podcast. We're on Twitter at Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. We're also on YouTube at youtube.com slash gunnageek. You can tell your Amazon device to enable Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. skill. You can also join our Discord server chat at gunnageek.com slash discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the GunnaGeek.com network. Agent Haley is out this week. She wanted to be here, but she will be, I think, on our next podcast on Spider-Man, which is just going to be in a couple of days. We'll talk more about that later in the cast. 
In the meantime, just know that Agent Haley wanted to be here and she could not be here because we are going to discuss the latest part two of the two-parter episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. Collision Course Part 2 was aired on Friday, July 12th, 2019. Fun fact, I did actually get to watch the second half of this live at the vacation home. Michelle, who actually directed this episode? This episode was directed by Sarah Boyd, who has 11 directing credits starting in 2016, including three episodes of Bates Motel, one Fear of the Walking Dead, one of The Flash, one This Is Us, one Jessica Jones, one Strange Angel, one The Code, and one of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Wow. Aside from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Michelle, which do you think is the biggest episode that she has done? Jessica Jones. Oh, interesting. I thought you were going to say This Is Us, coming in with the Jessica Jones. All right. Do you remember what season the Jessica Jones was episode was? Not at the moment. Okay. Well, we can look that up later. In the meantime, Lauren, who wrote this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? All right, I'm going to apologize for pronunciation. This episode was written by Eden Bagdachi, and Eden Bagdachi has two writing credits starting in 2016, with two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Slingshot and two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but they also have a whole bunch of episodes of TV shows as production staff and production assistant, production coordinator, Things like uh, Hardcore Pawn, Body of Proof, Drunk History, and 43 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as production staff, and 24 episodes as production assistant. So not exactly old hat at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or new hat, whichever. They've been around the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. set for a while. We've been getting a lot of the creative staff behind the scenes that have bubbled up during the five plus seasons before this episode in the last few episodes. And I, th- I don't think that's a bad idea. I think after a while, the intent of the show has rubbed off on the production staff and it's a great time to promote them as the original creating staff has cycled out to do other projects or maybe just retire. I, I don't think it's been a bad thing. What do you get, ladies think? I absolutely think so. I'm very fond of saying that People don't become somebody unless someone gives them a chance. So this is a way for people who are learning the ropes to step up, get a chance, and especially on something as high profile as this, actually get some name recognition out there. And it's like a crass course in college or it's like a master class. You're right there seeing the, you know, the big people do it and you're learning from the best. Yeah, I think it's been done really well. In addition to all that, what they bring is history in the series itself, so that if you have episodes that refer back, you have production staff or creative staff that actually remembers what has happened in the previous five years or previous seasons, whereas if you bring in somebody new, they're going to have to actually watch everything for the first time and try to remember some. And there's probably been discussions behind the scenes, behind the camera itself as the shoots were going on, that the creative team that was on site would have known, but somebody new would not have. So I actually think as long as the talent is there and it's definitely been there, 
I think it's been a good deal. All right. The title, of course, is Collision Course Part 2, and Haley's not here to tell us the funny reason behind it, but Michelle, I'm going to throw this over to you. What do you think Collision Course Part 2 means? Well, last week we had Part 1, and this talented staff knows how to count, and that's <laughs> why it's called Part 2. Yeah. So I was trying to rack my brain as I was doing some projects around the vacation home, and I was thinking, how many other two-parters has Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have? I do remember Orientation Part 1 and Part 2. I think there's been a couple of others as well. I think like at least one per season. Do you guys remember any others in specific? I've slept since then. <laughs> okay. We, we'll have to go through that for the next one, too, because I, I'm curious. And I haven't had a chance to look it up, look up the episode summaries uh, the episode titles and see the two-parters, but I do think that we've had quite a few as the years have gone on. I do remember Orientation Part 1 and Part 2. That was the beginning of last season when they were on the what we thought was a spaceship, what turned out to be Earth, or what was remained of Earth. This is Collision Car Course Part 2, and I was thinking that this was kind of like the Titanic Part 2, because you had the iceberg and you had the Titanic, and they were getting closer and closer and closer. So. They actually hit this episode, so I, I think part two is is pretty relevant there. You just didn't have you, you had Colson, I guess, on top of the truck last episode, saying he was on top of the world, but nobody on this episode. So speaking of, we found out this episode. Sarge, he's like, "Oh, you killed my family, you killed my wife, my kid, all this stuff." And then Izel tells him, "You don't have memories; those weren't real memories." We also, she says something like, you finally remember my name, come to me and I'll tell you yours, something like that. So there's something going on there. There is. Now, what kind of confused me there is Azel was talking to, or she was accusing rather, Fitzsimmons that they knew who Sarge was, but they clearly called him Colson. So. I'm not sure that she knows Sarge's real name was Colson, or maybe you get a different aspect to everything. I don't know. There were some truths that were let out in this episode that we need to talk about. And, and this was one that I can let slide for an episode or so. I think we're going to eventually find out. But Michelle, what did you think about the whole Sarge's real name thing with Azel? Considering Azel was surprised that Fitzsimmons recognized the voice, I think the idea of Sarge being from either another dimension, another timeline, the fear dimension, any of that type of stuff, I think that's where it's going. Because if she knew he was Coulson, and, and also she seems like this is the first time I've been to Earth, I really think Sarge isn't a reanimated Coulson that we know. I really think we're getting the time fragment dimensional thing going on. Talking about time fragments, there is an interesting knowledge drop that happened at the party at the end where Mac was talking to Daisy and he mentioned five years. And I was unclear if they were talking about the same five year time jump that was in the MCU and that she had been out of space for five years, or if they were talking about the five years that she had been part of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's what I was assuming, because I thought it had been established that 
it's only been a year since the end of last season. That's what I thought as well. But Max said five years. So I'm a little confused over that. Yeah, I thought it had been five years since since Mac joined. And it's been really five years since she became a full-fledged agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, before she was the hacker, she was kind of an agent, kind of an agent in training. But once she started getting with May and taking it seriously, it's been about like five years. I can go with that. I just need a little bit of more clarification. So I'm hoping that they give us part of that debrief because I mean, she was talking about some fantastic stuff like uh, Ocean of Lava, for instance, which actually, when you think about it, if there's a planet that's going through dramatic volcanic activity, there's bound to be a lot of lava around. And I just don't see anybody surviving in a... She found Mustafar. It's a, it's a crossover with Star Wars. <laughs> okay, there you go. And it's all owned by the same company, so... Ah, uh, uh-huh. It can be done, right? So also talking about that party at the end, let's talk about Davis a little bit. Agent Davis, uh, he'd been gone for a while. He came back to pilot the ship around this episode. Still no Dr. Benson, by the way. But Davis... And Jacko, which we'll talk about Jacko in a little bit, they went on the alien ship and they were supposed to be rescuing Fitzsimmons and then Jacko went off script. Not really an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. at that point, right? He, they're just collaborating with him. And he went to go find Azel, and he was separated. Jacko was separated from Davis for all of 15, 30 seconds or whatever. And they thought they would converge on Azel. Azel wasn't there. When they got together, what do you think that she's kind of hiding in Davis's body or she's infected Davis with her consciousness or something like that? What do you guys think about that? I think it's something like that because he isn't acting like anybody that we've seen infected with just like a regular shrike. But it's obvious that something is not right. He could just be really, really tired. Yeah, but this is like Chekhov's tired. I feel like that's going to come back. I feel like it is too, because I don't know why they would have taken camera time away at the end for that. They could have just shown Davis and Piper together and just smiling and, and cheersing and that's it. But they showed him going to sleep and she was having fun at his expense. And Dr. Benson isn't there, so there's nobody to do like the decontamination that you would normally do in like Star Trek. And is obviously not being done here. So, yeah, I, I think there is something to that. I could be totally wrong. I'll admit it. But I am thinking that Davis is going to experience or is experiencing some effects from Izzel. I would like it if Davis is okay. Because I really like Davis and Piper. I think they're a lot of fun. But I feel like something is very wrong. And I feel like we're going to find out next episode. In fact, I feel like we found out a little bit at the end of this episode in the shawarma scene. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the shawarma scene. So during the party, we have May saying, I should have killed Sarge when I had the chance. I knew it wasn't Coulson. And then in the shawarma, she goes up to Sarge, who's locked up. And Sarge is like, oh, I wasn't expecting you to come question me. And then before he can finish talking... A very blank-faced, kind of cold-faced May shoots him a couple times in the chest, and then we get the kind of, from Sarge's POV shot, and it looks like she shoots him in the head. But 
the preview for next week, she's like, wait, I did what? I don't remember that. I was a bit disappointed about that. I was really disappointed of showing the shawarma, showing that. And then next, you see the preview for next week and you see exactly where the stories go. So it's like, ah, I would have loved to have been in suspense for a lot longer than that. The preview for next week did not have to have the May interrogation in it, in my opinion. I think it kind of did because it adds to that dread of we know something's wrong with Davis. We don't know where Izel is. And now we know, okay, this thing that could have been a rational thing by May wasn't. What's wrong with the shield base? Izel might have infiltrated the shield base. Okay, things are bad. Things are very bad. Now what? It's maybe a thing like situation. A John Carpenter's the thing. Okay, only time will tell. We'll see next week, right? Yep. Also at the party, we had Deke and Bobo bonding <laughs> a little bit more. I mean, it was kind of a one-sided bonding because this Fitz never met Deke. This Fitz never went into the future, has no clue who Deke is. This guy's here, is like, oh, Grandpa, Bobo, here, let me show you all the things. Aren't you proud of me? And Fitz is just like, I just want to play darts but he is drinking a zima i don't know if you noticed that i noticed that and i about died laughing fitz is drinking a zima at one point <laughs> that's hilarious uh no i did not notice that thanks for pointing that out i was more astounded that fitz was actually throwing darts i don't remember him doing that talent. did the three amigos did they throw darts at some point i don't remember you slept since then i've slept since then okay and Deke told Fitz, I'm here, you're here, this proves my multi-universe theory, this multiple timeline theory, because I'm still here, I have this company, I could buy a castle. Do you want me to buy a castle? <laughs> I could use a castle, Deke. Send one my way. Yeah. He's trying so hard to bond with his grandparents. <laughs> I know. And he completely misinterpreted daisy being concerned about him and snow thinking oh i get it you know there are feelings and you go off and then you come back and you see me successful and you're like oh man i just wish and she's just like no it's because snow is a murderer lock her up <laughs> <laughs> yeah no she legit like killed a bunch of people like stabbed them it was bad and deke's like but she kisses me I foresee a lot of conjugal visits in the future for those two. Yeah, we see him dragging in like this huge big screen TV to her cell. And she's like, oh, honey, you shouldn't have. They are an adorable couple when it comes down to it, in my opinion. A little bit overly excessive smushy, but this is. The I mean, they're weird, but it works for them. And actually, I'm fine with it because this gets Deke away from Daisy, which I, I think it's fine for the story to move that way. I think it would have been fine for the story to move with them being together eventually as well. But the off again, off on again thing wasn't really there because she just wasn't. I mean, they weren't together for the past year. Also, Daisy never showed any interest in him whatsoever. It was all a one sided crush on his part. Well, I mean, it was collegial interest. It was a member of the team interest. It's not like yeah. she's running away from him. But yes, there's no romantic interest. No. And 
This relationship, let's face it, weird as it is, is still probably much healthier than his relationship with Sequoia. Well, it would have been fun to have Mo Tankeron back on the set. No, that would have been a lot of fun. Hey, for all we know, she's still with, uh, what's his face? Trevor. Trevor. Oh, yeah. So she can come to the next party. Yeah. Yeah. Agent Trevor is still around. We have seen him several times since, including, I think, last episode. And another couple that has reunited on screen, Yo-Yo and Mac. Yay! I was so happy and I teared up a little bit. Really? Yes. I Mac okay. goes to Yo-Yo and at the end. and Well, first of all, Sarge has taken the Zephyr hostage. So Mac, because he's like, okay, I need to protect my people, is handcuffed and Yo-Yo, they, they know what Yo-Yo can do. So they have this like force field. But Yo-Yo, being amazing, is able to kind of use all of this to her advantage, slams Pax into it. For the, like, split second, they take it down to make sure Pax is still alive. She gets through and gives Mac the handcuff key. So Mac gets out, is fighting Sarge. We have that really good told-ya moment. I love that moment, too, because they did a whole episode for Coulson to say told you, and then Mac gets his revenge, basically, for that in the told you moment here. Yes, exactly. It was so good. So then at the end, after the party, Mac goes up to her and he's saying, I wasn't worried for you. You know, this whole time I was I broke up with you because I was thinking I needed to get you out of my head because I was worried that I would prioritize you over everything. I would worry about you too much while, you know, you were out there. But then when we were up there, I realized I wasn't worried about you because I knew you had everything in hand. And I realized that I've been going about this all wrong. I'm not asking for your forgiveness, but I'm asking to maybe eventually earn it. And Yo-Yo is, she closes the door real quick and they start kissing and it's very sweet. At that moment in my head, I heard, and then they kiss. Yes. And then they kiss. Mac had two great speeches. That was an excellent, heartfelt, tender speech. And at the party, he had the leader, we are shield, none of us, you know, we can't function unless there's all of us. And that whole thing. He had two really great, like, speech moments. That was so good. This is why he is currently director of S.H.I.E.L.D. He's good at this. He is, including keeping the distress code, which I thought was an interesting thing. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. 226. And then the two parties talking back to each other, saying that they had the same call sign. (laughs) I, I think that's something that needs to be discussed in a staff meeting sometime with S.H.I.E.L.D. Because... That confusion draws attention to it, unneeded attention to it. I mean, for the listener, for the watcher, for us, we're going back and forth and we're like, okay, so they're both saying that they're in distress. But if I was a Zell or if I was Sarge, I'd be like, what the hell is going on? I thought this was a a good, respected outfit. And here you guys can't even get call signs right, right? So I could see that as a tip off. But I did like the back and forth between. Davis and Simmons saying they were, they were both 226. Also, we have 
a great superhero moment. We had several great superhero moments, and I, I will now call Daisy a superhero, and I will challenge anybody to argue with me on that because she not only saved a bomb from exploding, which I think actually she's done before, but at a smaller scale, she destroyed all the strikes using the same power. I mean, she really took her powers to the nth degree this time. Yes. Watching her destroy all the strikes at that bottleneck was amazing. I mean, not only that, but May getting one of the strikes that was headed towards Deke, you know, that was fast reaction. That was pretty cool, too. And then for Daisy to come and and do the mega destroy of everything. Because I was thinking if they didn't destroy all the Shrikes, I was thinking they were going to infect the Earth just like they infect. I keep on forgetting the name of this planet. Kronia? Kronika. Kronika. That just like they did in Kronika. So I, I'm glad that they did that. It doesn't mean that Azel can't create new ones, but it does mean that they've delayed that another episode or two because we have a few episodes left here i like how may realized her plan because at first i guess deke was freaking out about opening the door but may was just like oh she's creating a bottleneck she's got this yeah because deke is basically doing the the newt quote from well it wasn't a quote but she was doing the newt from aliens we're all gonna die it's game over, man. What's going on? I can't believe you're opening the door. Or leave the door closed. So yeah, she created the bottleneck. And once you create the bottleneck, you can then have a more effective deterrent field there. But Daisy just prevented the bomb from going off for a little bit. It wasn't complete. And the bomb still needed to go off. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, okay, so they're going to use it to explode somewhere somehow. But I didn't see Jacko making the sacrifice. Oh, Jacko came across. He's very likable. I'll agree. And I hope that there was some way that he made it off that ship. But I, I don't think so. I think he made the sacrifice there. I don't think he did. He uh, he was so good this up. He's been good pretty much every episode he's been in. I've seen the actor in a bunch of stuff before. He usually plays like, you know, the big brainless brute. And here you actually get to see him showing a really good empathic side and he does he's like you know I'm, I'm not doing this for sarge i'm doing this for me and then snow is like don't do this and he's like don't worry i'll be a butterfly and then he goes through and he's ah oh, just oh, my heart yeah simmons even says i like this guy because of the tech that he brought and he had a way out it's just it's so sad you know he's the last survivor of his people it's the whole, you know, Yinsen from Iron Man, you know, after I'm done here, I'll go be with my family. And it, it's heartbreaking and it's kind of beautiful and it's a fitting end for him, but it's still very sad. It was, but he kept to his word. He's told them to tell Sarge that I completed the mission. So he took the bomb knowing that he was going to destroy the ship and hopefully take Azelle out. But as we're postulating, Azelle wasn't on the ship. So I won't say his sacrifice was for nothing because the ship was still being controlled by Shrike infested people, but it wasn't everything that they had hoped for. Yeah, it means that she's going to have to start from scratch instead of having a leg up already. Yeah, it's levels the playing field. 
So I got a question for you ladies. So I've been thinking about this actually for a while and we just haven't brought it up on the podcast. I was assuming when we first saw the truck that it was coming from a different universe, different dimension, different earth. And that's why the truck looks so familiar to a truck would here on earth. Later, we found out that the truck has been coming from planet to planet to planet here in our same universe, or at least that's what we're led to believe now. Where did the truck come from? I guess it's it's same as Coulson. Like, where did Coulson's come from? Do other planets actually build Peterbilt trucks? All other planets have casinos, so... And spaceships. Eventually, when you want to do transportation, eventually you discover the wheel. And if your planet has any sort of combustible material and you learn how to harness that energy, then you come up with some sort of motor and then eventually you get a truck. I guess it's like convergent evolution, but for trucks. I'm not. Okay. Other planets can have trucks. They can evolve with trucks, but to have one that looks exactly like a Volvo or a Peterbilt or something here on Earth. I don't know. It's a little close. As Lauren said, convergent evolution. Butterflies have wings. Birds have wings. They're wings, but they're different. There you go. All right. Still have an issue, but it's a minor point, so we'll move on. Yeah. The short answer is the prop department did what they could with what they had on their budget. That's fair. I mean, there's other big item, big ticket items to pay for and i guess i'm just glad that the show is still on tv because yes. we thought it was going to end with we last thought season. it's been going to end every season since like season three so well when the last season the last episode of the last season basically says the end i mean it's like okay just glad that it's still going on so kudos to them for keeping it going on especially in the midst of everything that's going on in the mcu they haven't referenced anything going on in the mcu either so they have diverged from that as well all right is there anything else in the episode that you want to talk about lauren uh no i think we got it all all right michelle i just can't wait for itself and the sarge confrontation to actually happen we know sarge is going to have to come back because that hasn't been answered or whatever i can't wait for that to happen Right. And then the last episode I was on, I believe it was two episodes ago, Agent Diaz made her appearance for the first time on the show and found out that she is played by Jerry Nicole Love, is Agent Diaz. So she got a small play in this episode as well. She got shot, but not killed. There were other agents that I think were killed, but she was not killed. She was just shot in the takeover of Z1. Well, the Zephyr, or as we like to call it here on Agents Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. The bus, too. The bus, yeah. All right, so next time we're going to be talking about, finally, Spider-Man Far From Home. Sorry about the delay there, but, you know, I had a vacation, so we decided to wait some time. I did see it today. Michelle's seen it. Lauren's seen it. We've all seen it here, and we're all looking forward to uh, talking about it on Tuesday, the 16th of july and that will be after this podcast is released so sorry for the late notifications but pay attention to our social media in the future for schedule changes like we have right now and what time will we be recording it we will be recording at i believe 7 30 p.m eastern right uh yes so that will be at geeks.live and in the meantime let's move on into the news 
We have a few news items today. Our first piece is about Robert Downey Jr. discussing his post-Marvel future. So I found this on io9 and in an interview with Sam Jones on off camera with Sam Jones, he said, it's the closest I'll ever come to being a trust fund kid because, hey, it's constant work, constant money. And he didn't really have to, you know, worry about a schedule, about money, anything like that, because I think we've discussed this before. And he mentioned that he's talked about now. He actually has a big open space and said, it's always good to get ahead of where you are about to be. If you put eyes on, that's going to be a big turn down there, spring of 19. I better start psychically getting on top of that. It's always in the transitions between one phase and the next phase that people fall apart. He talks about a whole bunch of other stuff in the interviews, but this is because it's io9, what the thing focuses on and what we being a Marvel podcast are also focused on. There is some precedent already in the MCU itself that he could come back on the toolbox, for instance, Fury's toolbox at Coulson used as well. So there is precedent that Tony Stark could come back in those capacities off and on. So he could do cameos at least in the MCU, but no longer a main player in it. So I, That's another question. I don't know if you'd want to or not. Well, we know Marvel likes to keep spoilers under wraps, and that includes taking pictures of sunsets. Ah, those Marvel snipers. One of the Avengers Endgame actors got in trouble for posting a picture of a sunset. The actor was actress Emma Furman, who played the older Cassie Lang in Endgame. And what happened was that Okay, I'm going to read how she says it. She talked to comicbook.com and said, So I had gotten to Atlanta to film, and there was this gorgeous sunset. I took a picture of the sunset and posted it on my Instagram story, and I just tagged the location, Atlanta, Georgia. The next day, Marvel's head of security came into my trailer and talked to me about how I can't post that. I was like, well, I wasn't going to say I was on set of, you know, Endgame or anything. And they were like, no, we understand. You're not the first person we've had to talk about this today. But I've had people calling me all day trying to find out where you're going to be filming. And that was just a sort of like an, okay, wow, this is real. It could not have gotten any realer. I really didn't understand just how large Marvel was and how much of an impact it had. This is a whole thing. People will find out, okay, there's an actor. They're working on a project. They're filming here. Finding any little detail. And trying to get a glimpse. I've seen it happen with things like Sherlock. And it obviously happens with things like Avengers. We've definitely seen pictures of sets before. Of uh, the green screens and stuff like that. That have leaked. I mean people using long telephoto lenses. Because Marvel security can't obstruct all the views from every single place that they shoot. So we we've seen stuff. I remember seeing pictures of Robert Downey Jr. and Cap and I'm trying to remember who else was with him. It was in the scene that they were outside of the upper New York compound with not an endgame, but in um I think it was no, it wasn't Civil War. I'm trying to remember the movie that it was at the end where they had the the shield recruits that were running by oh, um Civil War. It was Civil War. Okay. So we saw that and 
there have been other examples. So I could see why. Oh, no, 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 not Civil War. Um, the one that I haven't watched since. It's like. It was Avengers, wasn't it? Since. Was the original Avengers? Uh, no. It was the one with Ultron. Okay. Avengers Age of Ultron. That's it. I've literally only seen it once. I've seen it a couple of times just because I was doing the rewatch. Anyway, so I, I can see their point, Marvel's point, where they don't want spoilers out there to ruin it for everybody since this was such a big deal for so many years. But on the other hand, it's like, wow, that is a lot to control. Moving on to our bonus piece about a disturbing piece of clothing. <laughs> this piece is called... This Thanos bathing suit exists, and I wore it in public. It's from the site theinventory.com, which is a Gizmodo site and all about, I guess, buying stuff. I'm not real sure. I don't usually go there. But I found it linked on io9, and I had to read it. And after reading it, I had to include it in the news. So this is from Anna Suarez filed to Thanos bathing suit. There's pictures. So a friend of hers sent her a picture. My coworker Chelsea Stone saw a tweet about a Thanos bathing suit for women, but because she does her due diligence, she didn't just send us the tweet to laugh at, she also found it and sent it to our team Slack as well, and then proceeded to send us several more Thanos bathing suits, one pieces, bikinis that were available on Amazon. It's a whole thing. And there's several linked in the article. Uh, I joked that I wanted it, much to my shock, our boss, Shep McAllister, said I could buy it and expense it if I wrote about the experience of wearing it. So, this whole article is about the experience of wearing it on the beach at 4th of July. Apparently, it's surprisingly comfortable. It came in a little under two weeks. At the early end of its clearly produced on-demand shipping window. Yeah, it, um... I mean, it is a photorealistic Thanos face with eyes over where the boobs should be. Uh, the families who are on the beach gave them a bunch of really weird looks. And yeah, she says, I 100% plan to weird people out by wearing this to the beach as often as possible this summer. And I also 100% plan to file that expense report, Shep. So you too can buy your own Thanos bathing suits male, female, non-binary, and uh, wear them if you so wish, thanks to the links in this article. And some of the pictures I'm seeing of these, I'm on Amazon right now, viewing one of them, and of course they show you like items. There are ones with Thanos smiling, and then one with his eyes closed and mouth closed as well. Yeah, it's, uh, no, photorealistic Bathing suits and bodysuits and tights are a whole thing to various shades of funny and disturbing. I've seen one. It's a woman's one piece that's just an incredibly hairy man's torso. Um, I've seen cat faces, dog faces, people faces, skeletons, organs. Yeah, just all sorts of things. I've been very tempted to buy some because they're weird and I also like to freak people out like y'all never would have guessed. But the Thanos one is, I mean, it interesting. Okay. Wow. I'm also linking on Amazon. It 
showed up in the suggested to a uh, body tight bodysuit Captain Marvel outfit. Ooh. Interesting. They also like to make, uh, I'm sorry, but they also, there's this whole niche market for just weird faces, like photorealistic weird faces. So I'm pretty sure with enough searching, you could find just like Brie Larson making a weird face put on like a t-shirt or a bodysuit or something like that. It's a whole thing. Yeah, I'll bet. And on that note, we are done with the news. We love hearing from our fans and we got feedback on Twitter starting from at Mr. Paracletes. Mr. Paracletes has linked us to a thing and says, does Sony hate money? Did they see what happened with Fox when they tried to stay solo with their properties? If this is true, I call their bluff. And he linked to an article from epicstream.com that says Spider-Man Far From Home needs to earn a billion dollars or else Sony will break off their deal with Marvel. And this comes from a site called The Angler. This claim comes from a site called The Angler, which writes that the original Sony Marvel Spidey deal stipulates that if Spidey clears a billion dollars, Marvel gets to oversee a third. If it doesn't, full control would revert back to Sony. And yeah, I don't know. The good news is Spider-Man Far From Home has already cleared half a billion during its opening week. And so it'll probably raise a billion. It'll probably be fine. Yeah, I I agree. I think given the way that the the past Spider-Man movies have performed and both critically and financially, I think, I really think their best bet is to stay with Marvel. There's some bad movie podcasts that I listened to. And recently, one of them did The Amazing Spider-Man. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot the stuff that I didn't like from this movie. Okay, yeah. Just let it stay with Marvel right now, Sony. Just sit back and enjoy your wealth. It's fine. It'll be fine. It'll be how Far From Home ended, and we'll save that for the podcast in a couple of days. I don't know if Marvel could stomach I mean, I guess they could write it anyway, but I don't know if they could stomach moving ahead without Spider-Man underneath their umbrella. I don't know about the truth of this or not. I would say it's false, personally, but uh, it's kind of an outlandish claim that Sony is demanding a billion dollars for the rights. I I don't see that in any agreement, because I'm sure there was some sort of an agreement between the two just to cover the IP issues back and forth like they won't get sued over using each other's ips but i thought the agreement was like a handshake agreement of okay we'll help each other out here because it's going to be good for both of us okay i found another article from slash film and it actually gives it this repeats the same claim and it gives some of the details uh the initial press release announcing the deal said Sony Pictures will contribute to finance, distribute, own, and have final creative control of the Spider-Man films. But, yeah, the the specifics of major Hollywood contracts are notoriously difficult to ascertain. But apparently there is a new report that has uncovered a contract stipulation that would allow Sony to wiggle out of its deal with Marvel if that doesn't happen, if they don't get a billion dollars. Again, this is kind of hearsay. 
But if that is the truth, I mean, not really great for Sony if they do choose for that to exercise that. Oh, it'd be suicide for Sony. It'd be horrendous for Marvel, too. It wouldn't be suicide because Marvel could write their way out of it. But for it's just bad for Sony because I don't think the franchise would be doing this well had it not been for the MCU crossovers. We also heard from at Adana Girl. Yep, Adana Girl retweeted Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and said, I think Director Carter would approve of Director McKenzie. And it's a gif of Mac in his big hero speech saying, without every single one of you, there is no S.H.I.E.L.D. It was a powerful moment. Yeah, I think so too. And I'm glad they made this a two-parter. It just, it pulled off very well in this uh i don't you know i was thinking in terms of two parties and the biggest one in my mind ever in tv is best of both worlds part one and part two and star trek the next generation and i measure everything up to that and i know there's been other great two-parters out there but that was the one that saved the franchise saved the series and really catapulted things forward uh this was not a bad one at all and i really enjoyed the fact that they were able to keep the story going for two episodes versus just the one episode so i i think it did well of course this is a serial anyway so the story keeps going on but this was the same story for two episodes i i think having that time at the end for the speech after the climax that was early you know it was at the 35 40 minute time period so they had extra time that they could go in and have Mac have a speech, have the reconciliation between Yo-Yo and, and Mac, and, and have that other stuff at the end without cramming it into a montage. So I, I think it went well. And that is the feedback for the week. And we are going to play darts with Bobo and get this one out. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us during the summer season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes, we know that Legion on Fox is ongoing, and we will be covering that as soon as this is over. And stay tuned for Spider-Man Far From Home next episode. Thank you to everyone who's been with us, who's been listening with us, who's been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. with us. We love you guys so much, and we will see you all soon. Yes, thank you to everyone who listens, downloads, watches on YouTube and everything. We really appreciate you. And until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. And I'm Agent Michelle. See you guys in two days. Two and two. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield, or Gunna Geek. Agents of Shield is the property of the Disney Corporation. Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended.
I saw Spider-Man today and you're not oh, going to, yeah. you're not going to be there on Tuesday, right? No. Cause you guys are doing it at a time. Yeah. I, I've already, I have a Tuesday commitment, but I put my thoughts in there. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I wasn't since you're not going to be on the podcast. I wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't like, I, I guess what I was thinking is a lot of the story plots were there. The, the uh, plot holes were there because this was Sony and not Marvel. And they tried to cover a lot of them up with different things. And it wasn't bad. It was entertaining, but it wasn't like the best movie ever for me. Nope. And Tom Holland is visibly older. I, I was shocked. I was looking at him on the screen. I was like, you are older, dude. So everything was going pretty well up at the lake. Yeah. You know, got through the 4th of July busy debacle time. We've been having some drainage problems, so it's a lake, so it's a hole in the ground, right? And you're trying to keep water away from all the properties and drainage lines are actually drawn into the properties. And the property next door has a deeded drain access to our property which is kind of odd but okay so the neighbor had built this elaborate landscaped kind of a sinkhole to go into the culvert to drain out to the lake and he didn't put it along his property he put it to the edge of his property into our property it was drained out like i said deeded access so you have to work with him and it backed up backed up to the point where we put red leak detection dye into the pond. Wow. And it was not draining anywhere. Like we could not see it come out anywhere. I bought it special. It was a $12 one gallon bottle of, of dye. And it really just, like I said, didn't go anywhere. So I'm like, okay, well, we've got a, a, a plug in there at some point because my dad was convinced that it all worked at some, at one point and it might have but i don't think it was working how he thought it was going to work so then we started doing diagnosis so we would take a a sewer tape so think of it in terms of a a drain snake that you have except for it's a flat metal band uh, you can get them as thick as three quarter inch wide so that's pretty thick our neighbor had one so we used that but we also bought our own that was half inch wide and it had a bigger bulb on the end to try to get rid of an obstruction if there was an obstruction in the hole and uh, there was a couple of drain lines that we could see out at the lake and uh, we unplugged those i did that in june and we thought the problem was solved it was not we thought okay one of those drain lines goes up to the uh, drain pond retention pond yeah retention pond and so i started snaking up and i got like 15 feet up i was like no that that's not right so we dug 15 feet back only to find that it terminated like great so then we started digging some more and then we thought well this is crazy so we got an inspection camera that came up the next day and we went through the lines as far as we could go and unfortunately the inspection camera that we rented, it wasn't the easiest to use, or maybe we just 
we weren't pros at using it or whatever. So we we're not quite sure what was going on, but we saw like an end to the, the pipes that we were trying to get in. And we tried to go in the big culvert and we got stopped about the big culvert was 35 feet down. We got stopped about 22 feet down and we couldn't see what the obstruction was we're like, huh? We tried looking down with flashlights and couldn't see anything. So then we're like, well, crap, let's dig up from the other end. So we dug up from the other end and that was a major task of getting to, it was like six feet down. So literally we're digging a grave. We found the drain tile and that confused us more, the drain tile lines, because what we thought was down there was not what was down there. We got actually got lucky that we dug down to a spot where we could see where everything was. And that was the end of day two. And we started marking the lines with uh, color-coded paint. Uh, there was a couple of clean-outs. There's two lines that go to the cabin. And unfortunately, they were both blocked after a while. One is still draining, but the other one hasn't drained at all. So I don't, I don't know if it's blocked or not. But we weren't going to fix that this time around because there was nothing to fix. So we dug and we found the end of the cauldron. And we noticed that there was a blockage about five feet up from the end of this 35-foot cauldron. So if you compare the notes between where the two blockages were, they were five feet apart from each other. And my dad was looking at the mule and going, Though that looks like tire tracks. So I'll bet you what happened, because there's been a bunch of construction that's been done up there over the past 10 years. I'll bet you what happened was that a, a backhoe went over the line and crushed it. I'm like, well, maybe. I doubt it, but maybe. So we dug down into it. It's the only way to tell for sure. And we found that one of the ends was indeed crushed. There was two culverts that came together. One end was crushed. We're not quite sure when that happened. But part of the crush went down, and uh, it, it's like the, the top of, of this pipe had peeled down and had embedded itself in the middle of the pipe so we couldn't pass anything through and that was that obstruction the other obstruction five feet down was the uh, just silt that had built up and he took a high pressure sprayer not even a pressure washer but just a normal garden hose sprayer and we got that knocked down from the opening so we're all good there and uh, we had a replacement culvert that we were able to cut and make a patch on top of the hole that was there to protect it from future cave-ins, put two lines in, and uh, hooked it all up. And that whole project took four days. Took four capable diggers in four days to get that done. Wow. So that was the second half of my wonderful vacation. Well, I saw Spider-Man today, so I'm all set for Tuesday. Yeah. Did you Have you seen it? Yes. Okay. So you're good. I saw it opening day. All Not right. opening night, but opening day. Not opening night because the only shows were at midnight and I'm an old lady and I go to sleep <laughs> at like 11 o'clock. It's just, it was just too good a weekend at the lake to, uh, to take any time off to go. Cause it's like an hour drive to go to the nearest theater. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, I just saw it today. So I just want to add that at the end after we've talked about Mac and cheese. The other options were not that appealing to me. One of them was National Nude Day. And <laughs> as much as I want to talk about National Nude Day, I just don't think it's appropriate for this podcast. So, yeah. Nude. Nude.
do you not want a podcast nude and get it out of your system or <laughs> are you okay? okay no, just I just a, like saying it. It's a fun word. Okay. Nude. 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 It's like a cow. Whose cows are also nude. Mm, they are. I mean, you could put clothes on them, but... They have fur. Yeah, but technically so do we. Not as much, though. Um... And with that, is there anything else you want to get out of your mouth before I go live? Nude. Okay. <laughs> Broadcast has been successfully terminated by Google. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2019.